Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, this is Kenny Hickey from Silvertomb and Typo Negative, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is James Durbin of the band Durbin, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, welcome to Talking Metal. Before we get into the episode, I do want to thank Joey Vancheri. Dude, thank you for your monthly pledge on Patreon, and thank you for introducing me to a great band called Silver Tomb. We're going to talk with Kenny per your suggestion, Joey. I listen to the people on Patreon that support me, far more than publicists, far more than random people on Twitter. You guys ask me to interview somebody, I'm going to try to make it happen, I promise. Try my best. Sometimes it's hard, but even with Kenny from Silver Tomb, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> chase him down a little bit to get him on, but happy to do so and so happy that I got turned on to this great band. Kenny, of course, is also known for his work with Typo Negative. So let's do this. Uh, let's thank all these patrons. Victor Guzman. I don't know if I'm saying your name right, Victor. Uh, Glenn Watson. We already said Joey. Gene Eugene DX. Sean Richmond. Mario Charance. Andrew Miller. Jeremy Weltman, Chris Riley, Johan Enderstrom, Stephen Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Gregory Muse, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Brad Dahl, Richard Langridge, Dan Gurwan, Jerry from Long Island, Sam Soupy, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Stephen Saylor, Ron Keel, Jean Francois Blas, Anthony Mackey, James Bennett, David Gray. Fred Roots, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, John Bovari, and Metal Dan. Guys, you guys are awesome. Thank you for everything you do for me. And I, I'm just desperately trying to get up to 40 patrons. That's my goal right now. I, I want to, I'd love to have 100, but for the immediate future, I need 40. I'm not there, guys. It, it bums me out. I can't even get 40 people to give me. Uh, support on Patreon. Uh, please, I'm begging you. I know I sound desperate here, but $2 a month, it's its nothing. There's somebody out there who enjoys this show who thinks it's worth $2 a month. Plus, you get bonus content, you know? So join me on Patreon for a small pledge. If you want to go a little bit more, like a $5 a month pledge, I will send you a t-shirt, Talking Metal t-shirt. Uh, need your support, guys. Please, again, Patreon is the way to support. All right, let's get into the episode right now. 
we got on the podcast today, James Durbin from American Idol fame and Quiet Riot fame. Great talking with him. Cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. And Kenny Hickey of Silver Tomb, formerly of Typo Negative with the great late Peter Steele, Johnny Kelly, man, Typo Negative. I was such an enormous fan of them. The Bloody Kisses record was a very important record for me when I was in my 20s and kind of finding my way, becoming an adult in New York City. Really, really important record for me. Loved that record. And it felt like it was something new and fresh and different. And thank you, Kenny, for giving us that record along with your other typo negative bandmates. We're going to talk with you in just a minute. My wife's going to come on a little bit later. And then after that, James Durbin. So again, let me just say how good Silver Tomb is. Great. And James Durbin, man. It's got some great new songs out. So I really, sometimes I do interviews just because I have to do them to, you know, I don't have to do any interviews, but I, I'll say, oh, great new record because I'm doing an interview. No, the, these these guys, Silver Tomb is amazing. And the tracks that I've heard off of James Durbin's upcoming record are also a lot of fun, man. Fun is a good way to describe them. Uh and and rocking and metal. All right, so let's let's do this. Uh, let's take a quick look at some of the headlines, the news headlines, stuff that we saw this week. We saw Skid Row's guitarist Dave Snake Sabo has uh, a new Gibson guitar coming out. Right? Isn't that what he's doing interviews for? Actually, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. He's doing interviews about his mental health. I guess. Yeah, I think he's got a new guitar out too. But let's see, John Karabi announcing some online acoustic shows in February. I'm kind of sick of the online shows, guys. I don't know. I <laughs> just really am. But, eh, you know, I wonder how many people would actually pay to, or maybe they're not paying, would actually tune in to a John Karabi acoustic show online. I hope a decent amount. Um, Anthrax have a new comic book coming out, and... Uh, members of the band will be contributing to it. It's by uh, Z2 Comics, which is run by a good friend of mine, Josh. Love Josh. I should get him on the podcast. And cannot wait for, for Z2 and Anthrax to bring us the comic book. Z2 is also doing a Dio comic, so that should be interesting. Great stuff. So two little news items for you. Let's uh, right now get into my interview with Kenny Hickey of Typo Negative and Silver Tomb. We're going to have a really cool conversation here. I hope you guys enjoy this and you go check out Silver Tomb. Sounds nothing like Typo, by the way, in my opinion. Nothing, nothing like it. Both great. Typo was great, uh, but Silver Tomb, awesome, awesome stuff. Imagine like old school Sabbath meets like sound, old school Soundgarden, like before Soundgarden got commercial, like, you know, like ultra mega okay and and louder than love like that era imagine that sound garden mixed with like like sabbath and like old school ozzy era sabbath and that's kind of it's hard to describe because it, it's got a unique original sound but go check them out i think they're great i think they're great silver tomb and this is kenny hickey talking with me mark striegel here on talking metal <laughs> Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and what an honor for the first time on the show 
Kenny Hickey, known for his work, of course, with Typo Negative, but also for the the great new band, which I'm excited to talk to him about, Silver Tomb. How are you, Kenny? Doing good. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I got to tell you, the record you guys put out a little over a year ago, Edge of Existence by Silver Tomb, just great, great stuff. And I, I, I want to talk to you about some of the specific songs and the album in general. But first, let me just check in with you. How are you doing at this strange time in history with the COVID stuff and everything? Well, you know, everybody's healthy on uh, my side of things. You know, I have an 84 year old mother. She has uh, weathered the storm. She hasn't gotten it. Uh, I haven't lost anybody really close. Good. But, uh, you know, I've been home a lot. So I've been I'm building a studio to see behind me. Right. My ass off on that. And working on music, of course. Cool. Cool. So I'm sorry, you said you just built the studio? Just built it. Just nice. Finishing up, finishing touches now. Wow. Very good. Congratulations. Excellent. So let's go back. It was a little over a year ago that you guys released uh, the the album Edge of Existence by Silver Tomb. And do you feel that the whole COVID thing maybe hurt the the release of it? Because, I mean, it really only been out a few months by the time we got to, you know, tours being canceled and lockdowns and all this other stuff. Oh, my excellent timing once again. Yeah. <laughs> Just pre uh, pre disease. We put out the record. You know, you know, when COVID came out, uh, basically, we, uh, yeah, I think we did one show. Wow. <laughs> okay. One headlining okay. show right before that Christmas, which went great. Yeah. The St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Cool. And uh, that was it. We were shut down, you know. Um, everything got shut down. So we, we were going to tour with Monster Magnet and do a full North American tour with them. Now we look forward to that. It would have been great. So, yeah, our director, of course, did. I mean, we literally didn't get to tour at all for it. Right. Well, that's why I really wanted to bring listeners attention to the record, because it is just a great listen. I mean, the songwriting is great. The playing is great. But I wanted to start off talking about your vocals, because, I mean, if we go back to 2009 or so, when Seventh Void released their record with you on vocals and guitar, I mean, I feel like your vocals were great then, but they've even gotten better. I mean, you sound so awesome. Your 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 voice. I mean, did you develop did you do practicing like what what has happened with your singing are you do you just evolving and getting better or are you consciously making an effort to evolve as, as a singer well i mean you know on a matter of perspective some people love it some people hate it hate it but um i think that um i've been trying to refine it and make it my own more and more and right combine it with you know my favorite singing styles you know like bon scott and <clears throat> Ozzy Osbourne, right? You know, um, Chris Cornell. Trying to combine these elements and try to make something original out of it. You know, so it's growing. You know, yeah, it evolves over time. Yeah, well, I, down. It's it's definitely going to be to the next level on this next record. You know, which is I'm in the middle of making that right now. Oh wow. Okay, cool. We'll talk about that. But while while we're talking about about this record, the Edge of Existence again, the band Silver Tomb and Kenny Hickey guitars and vocals. That's who we're talking to right now, guys. You know, when I listened to it first, I, I didn't really think this, but after a few listens, I started wondering, is it a concept record? Because it seems like there's a lot of themes that go throughout the songs and the way the songs all work together as a unit seems very um, complete to me. It is. It's important to the uh, 
It's a structured record, definitely. And it's it's all segues, one song into the other. Most of them are, you know. I think it is, uh, I, I wanted it to be uh, an emotional blueprint of what, you know, I had been going through in the last 10 years. You know, that that's really what I was going for. So it's like a roller coaster ride, you know. But you wouldn't necessarily consider it a concept record, or is it kind of your journey is the concept, if you will, the theme? Yeah, yeah, it would be. It's an emotional journey, you know, a, a purge, let's call it. But it doesn't have like this, you know, this uh, laid out plot, you know, definite plot with, a, you know, with the character, main character and all this stuff. You know? Right. It's it's more um, an emotional blueprint, let's call it. Wow, very, very good. And, you know, it's it's... The thing that I love about it is it takes you to some very, very dark places, doom, depression places. But there's this level of hopefulness that always seems to kind of creep through, too, which really, to me, makes it an enjoyable ride as as a listener. Because you go to those dark places, but then there's other moments where you come out of them. And it's it's a fun journey as a, as a listener. Um, that's, you know, it's great that you say that because that's exactly... I guess not what I was going for initially when it was being created. It's, it's kind of what it became, you know? Okay. It started, um, as the songs develop, sort of creating its own plot, its own timing, you know, its own story. When I realized that I tried to bring it together as a ride, like you're describing. Right. So, uh, I mean, you know, like anything in life, it's not just all darkness and depression, you know, there's moments of light and hope. I mean, that's why I'm still sitting here. If there wasn't, I wouldn't be sitting here anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and I've been through a lot in the last decade or so, you know, lost a lot of close friends. You know, I had a, a career that was basically uh, exploded, you know, um, alcoholism, drug addiction, near divorces, all kinds of shit. Yeah. Right. I mean, regular life stuff, um, for the most part, most people go through these things, especially life changing events when it hit midlife, you know. Sometimes yeah. you lose your career, you lose your status, you lose your wife, you lose your money, all kinds of stuff happens, right? Right. And then some of us crack and some of us don't. I write music. Yeah. Well, thank you again for the music. Because again, just a, a awesome record. And I wanted to hit some of the the songs. We won't we won't hit everyone, but uh so true, a song that really just it hits you over the head with that riff and the vocal. But then again, kind of what oh go ahead. It's great you mentioned that. Because we just completed an animated video for the song. So oh, wow. Cool. One of my favorite songs off the record. I cannot wait to see it. You're going to love the video. It's, it's great. So that's, that's going to wow. be dropping soon. Wow. Very cool. And the, the thing about this song is, again, you know, it, it hits you with that super hard part. But then the, the chorus is, is, is like truly kind of haunting. And uh, I wondered if you have any memories of this song coming together. Yes, we do. Um, at the time, I was uh, struggling with alcohol a lot. I've been sober now for a year, so I just oh, congratulations! Um, and uh, I was writing a lot and um, drinking a lot. So yeah, I'd stay up all night drinking you know, eighteen beers. Or whatever. And the lyrics for that song came out one morning when uh, I had a bunch of the uh, music written, and I was standing in front of my door wasted at eight o'clock in the morning and people were getting in their cars and going to work around me right you know 
And I kind of hated him for it because I guess, you know, it was uh, self-hatred turned outward, the lyrics in that, in that song, especially in the verses, you know, and it's me screaming at the world. And I'm pissed off at them. You know, they're living normal lives. Yeah. Definitely healthier than me. I'm standing in front of my door, you know, stumbling. And um, so that's how the lyrics came about, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. The verses like uh, self-hatred turn outward. And, and I did it reverses during the chorus. It's so you, it's so true means the stuff I'm trying to say about the world and the verses is really saying about myself. So it flips back around. It looks inward in the chorus. Right on. Cool. And another song that I wanted to talk about, Rite of Passage, Crossing Over, you know, dark, simple lyrics, but yet the vibe, it's just so powerful. Love the ending, where, which I guess is the instrumental part, which I guess is the crossing over part. Any, again, memories or insight you could share to that song? Or two songs? Three songs. <laughs> Three songs, okay. <laughs> um, that was the first, that was actually the song when um, it started with the verse, which is a kind of like this rock, dirge, doom verse, and then broke out into this very melodic chorus. Right? Um, and um, that was the first piece of music we wrote that I was like, well, I hear like, all this orchestration in here, you know, your strings and all this stuff, walking strings and horns and, you know, all this stuff could work here, but, you know, we're a simple rock and we didn't even have a keyboard player yet. You know? So that was the song. I was like, the hell with it. And I just went for it, put all these elements in without even having an extra member to even pull this off. So that's what really turned the band into, from Seven Floyd into Silver Tomb. It changed the whole approach and the musical soundscape of the band. That song, the chorus for that song. Wow. Okay. So that's what maybe just um, made us just figure, let's start this, you know, fresh, a little fresh. And uh, Ed Juice, Aaron Juice, my keyboard player, and and just start fresh new and um, see where this takes us. Cool. Yeah, great stuff. Another one I love, Waiting. I mean, I almost hear in the song Waiting, Screaming trees, almost mother love bone, you know, sound garden, old sound garden. A lot of people say it's grungy. I mean, to me, it was just a rock song. <laughs> yeah. You're not grungy. <laughs> um, Which is great because I love those bands, you know, but yeah. So do why? So do yeah. I. Uh, that was the song where it was another song where, you know, I was up writing all night. I was exhausted, frustrated. I think I was having some, you know, you always hit a wall with songs here. There's a musical problem here or, or there or, you know, a key problem. Or, and I think I was just really frustrated. I had my acoustic guitar and I was sitting down and that song came out literally in five minutes. The whole song. Wow. So it was one of those, you know? Yeah. And, um, where it just happens and it happens perfectly. Yeah. Rare moment, but. An interesting part of the listening uh, voyage of this record is sleeping on nails and wine, which is almost got that, that insanity vibe to it. I don't know why that pops to my head, but it, it, it you know, almost like that Sid Barrett, you know, Pink Floydy vibe going on there. Any memories of that specific song? Because it is kind of a unique song among the among the bunch. That is the one specific song. Is directly written for Peter Steele. Wow. Okay. About Peter sleeping on nails and wine because you know Peter made his own bed and nails to sleep on. So he tortured himself his whole life, and you know we try to drown it out with wine. So hence the title. Wow. And, um. Peter basically was my Sid Barrett. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So that's, okay. You got it. That's, that's, that's exactly where it was coming from. You know, it's a lullaby. Um, 
I try to capture Peter. He's a very complex person. You can't capture anybody with a two-minute, three-minute song, but just a piece of him and um, try to capture what he tried to do. Right. He's trying to accomplish most of the time. Wow. Great stuff. And again, Edge of Existence by Silver Tomb. It's a must-listen, guys. You got to check it out. We're talking with Kenny, who, of course, has a massive history and legendary history with Typo Negative. You just mentioned Peter. It is 2021. I cannot believe it's been this year will be 25 years since October Rust. So we're talking the 25 year anniversary of October Rust by Typo Negative. Any memories you could share with the listeners of that coming together or recording it or just how you feel about it 25 years later? I remember it being a turning point. I mean, at that point of our career, everything was a turning point. You know, we put out the first record, you know, not much happened. And then, you know, Bloody Kisses worked really hard for it. It blew up, you know, and it looked like we had a lot of great things on the horizon for us. So it was, we were under a lot of pressure and tension with that record. And um, I remember just having a lot of high expectations for it and the label also having very high expectations for it. And I also remember it being, we were well aware that it was a risk because it, it um, deviated from the origi- original style of the band. You know, it might not seem so much now, but at the time, it it was apparent that it was a different approach, a different direction. So it was risky, and um, it did uh, prove to be a challenge for us to break the record. It was harder than um, Bloody Kisses, I think, because maybe uh, there was less of a neglected element to it. I don't know, but it took longer to um, catch on that record. So I remember it being a time of a lot of tension, you know, a lot of expectation and um, quite not getting to where we wanted to, or we had expected to. I mean, the label expected us to sell, sell 5 million copies or something like that, which wow. is just anyway, but, you yeah. know, so yeah, it was a hard time. Right. A, Interesting. Hard time for it. it should have been, you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, wow, this is the greatest time of my life it was just like in my 20s i had nothing to lose yeah. it was in a great band you know what i mean we had fans all over the world it was torn but you know as usual you get caught up in it you know there's a lot of pressure involved too it's not you know being in a band it's just not all fun and games right on right on and i wanted to also let's see go back and talk about seventh void uh, only one record from that band although Correct me if I'm wrong, but all the members of that band are currently in Silver Tomb with some more, well, right? Not all. No. Matt okay. Brown, Matt Brown was the original, other, the second guitar player. In, okay. In Seventh Floyd. Okay. So Joe James is now my guitar player. Okay. In this band, and I have Aaron Juice in it. So um, the original met Johnny's in it. Who's right. In, and and Henry. Hank. Henry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And you, the, the record that you, you guys did, uh, Heaven is Gone by Seventh Void, was produced by the late, great Vinnie Paul. Any memories of him working with you guys in the studio? What kind of producer was he? Was he a real hands-on guy or more laid back? Well, um, he didn't fully produce it. I he mean, didn't? Matt Brown produced it. And we produced it in Brooklyn and got all the tracks down. And then we had uh, actually felt we were too close to it and that we needed somebody else to mix it mm. so johnny thought like well, why don't we send it you know to vinnie you know and see what he thinks and he was at the time he was starting big vin records right 
I didn't expect this to happen, but he was like, I love this stuff. I want to sign you guys. Wow. You're like, I just want you to mix the record. You're going to mix the record. Yeah, he's going to mix the record. He's, and he loved this stuff so much. It was like, well, this guy really believes in this shit. Let's just do it. And we signed with him. We signed with Big Vin Records. Went over to Texas, had a blast, you know? Yeah. And uh, he really turned it around. I mean, you know, it definitely was a sonic challenge to mix. And he completely turned it around and turned it into something that you know, was listenable. You know, it made it kick ass, made it come out of the speakers. Okay, cool. So he, but it, he wasn't listed as the producer or he was? Because I know Wikipedia has him down as the producer of the record. Well, you know, Wikipedia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> down, but um, right. yeah, he's down as a producer and, uh, and, and a mix, mix engineer. You know, right it's, it's Matt Brown. He's down as producer too. So Yeah. And you mentioned that Silvertomb is working on new music. When do you think we might be hearing some of that? Well, I just finished this room here in my house, and um, I have a couple of songs tracked as far as guitars and and vocals go. So I know it's going to be. I got to get Johnny in here. We got to get the rhythm section down. So it's written. It's completely written. So I'm looking at probably like three months, four months before I'm finished doing it. And then, you know, release time. I'm hoping autumn, which would be perfect. Okay. You know, yeah. I want to kind of like time it anyhow to where this whole epidemic pandemic is tapering off, you know, hopefully. So is it too early for you guys to be booking dates or are you already Maybe planning? A... Book anybody right now. You know, we yeah. have this Psycho Las Vegas festival thing in August, August. 21st, I believe it is. So that's been reinstated. That was one of the original shows we had before the pandemic broke out. Right. So that's going to happen. I think Danzig is, is headlining it. So uh, that's the only show we have booked right now. And let's hope that happens. And that doesn't go away. You know, who knows what's going on with this pandemic? Who knows what's going to be going on in August? Good. Well, we, we hope that can get Silver Tune back out there live because, like I said, I've never seen you guys live. And the record just blows my mind so i'm i'm totally psyched to see you guys live and hear new music from you and wishing you all the best keep doing what you're doing and, and thank you for this great music thank you buddy okay i have ventured up into the bedroom on a saturday night here in maplewood new jersey and i'm saying hi to my wife emily hi how are you, <laughs> how are you? long time no see yeah. Yep. And Thanks we for helping are, me unload the groceries. Oh, you're welcome. And we are just uh, getting through this quarantine thing. So you know, I don't know. I hope everyone is staying safe and getting their vaccines if they can. And Emily, I just wanted to thank you because you work for Johnson and Johnson, and you guys really have done a service to the world with this one shot vaccine which is on the way i really hope that it gets approved quickly in this country and and it seems like one more great option for finally kicking covid to the the curb hopefully exactly. sooner than later and yeah and it's yeah been, it's been really weird and strange because i've i've done this my entire life i've managed clinical trials right so it's kind of what all of us have um, planned for our entire life is something like this, an opportunity to really make an impact. So watching the trial from start to finish and the people who work on it, some of them 
didn't take any kind of time over the holidays. Right. It's been amazing to see the way that company came together to make it work. Absolutely. And uh, I've just seen how hard you're working and just wanted to thank you in this public thank setting you. too. It's awesome. <laughs> and also wanted to give a shout out to Gene Eugene from Patreon. I wanted to read his note that he sent me. He says, hi, Mark. I'm listening to Too Mean to Die. That's the new Accept record. Sounds good to me, even if I miss Peter on bass. CD is... CD is a tad expensive on Amazon. That is weird. They must want us to buy through Nuclear Blast. I was wondering how Stalingrad, Stalingrad, I always have trouble pronouncing that. This is uh, a couple albums ago, right? So you're asking why the Stalingrad album cover got changed. Um, I don't know, Emily. Uh, So... I, I did a little research and they definitely did seem to change the album cover of the Stalingrad album, which is a uh, accept record from a number of years ago. Uh, recently though, you know, the new version of accept. Was there something offensive about it? I don't know. It, yeah. That's what it, it looked, it looked communist. It had a communist mm-hmm. vibe look to it. It was real plain. Uh, maybe they wanted it to look less Russian, less communist, that's that's what I'm wondering. So it went from that kind of real basic. When did they redo it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't even know for sure that they did, but that's Gene Eugene is saying they did. And from my quick Google search before recording this, it did look like they did. It's now. Do you still have Wolf's phone number? <laughs> yeah, Why I could call, call him, right? Uh, <laughs> I would think that would be a, a label thing. You know, it's it's definitely jazzed up now it appears they added the the bird and the guitar necks oh jazzy stalingrad yeah i think it looks (laughs) better originally how it was personally but stalingrad so i i researched what is stalingrad on april 10th 1925 the city was renamed stalingrad i don't know what it was called before that in honor of joseph stalin uh from the communist party This was officially to recognize the city and Stalin's role in its defense against the whites between 1918 and 1920. I don't know who the whites were, but um, yeah. And then there was, of course, the Battle of Stalingrad, which was a brutal military campaign between the Russian forces and those of Nazi Germany and the Axis powers during World War II. Uh, Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know why they changed it. But they definitely, it appears that they, not definitely, it appears that they changed it. So good catch, Gene Eugene. And Gene Eugene goes on, even without music, talking metal, he's talking about the podcast. Uh, when you talk about, let's say, Caius, I pause a bit and use Spotify and come back. Oh, so you're actually, when I talk about the music, you pause the podcast that's and awesome. you go, yeah, so that's that's great. Uh, he said, the classic album segment is very cool. Thank you. Uh, we are kind of not doing that this week, but it will resume next week, Gene. And then you say Metal Heart, which is one of my classic albums uh, by Accept, is a good album, even if it sounds thin. Restless and Wild is the one for me. Talking Metal is as good as Eddie Trunk. Well, better because you don't keep interrupting people you talk to. <laughs> All right, peace. No, that's and, my job. And what about the album cover change? Okay, so we already spoke about the album cover change. I don't really have an answer for you, although I agree with you. It does look like they changed it. Let's break this down. You mentioned Spotify. Big news, Emily. I told you earlier, we are officially back on Spotify. Awesome. 
And that it, it's all a little blurry to me, guys, but it does appear that that has something to do with us removing the music from the podcasts. So we are back on Spotify. There you go. Now, here's the deal. The old Spotify feed is still up there, and it's like a ghost feed. It's dead with no episodes, but they've added another Talking Metal feed. And now, the even more bizarre thing is Spotify has their own podcast called Talk Metal or something, which is, uh, we should probably sue them for that. But, <laughs> but anyways, when you search Talking Metal, there's a bunch of shows that come up before it, and that just might mean that we don't have any subscribers because it was literally just added days like a day or so ago back into the rotation. So anyone who is now getting their podcast through Spotify, you just need to search it, scroll down through all the podcasts that you see, and it'll eventually be there. You'll actually see it twice. Obviously the one you want to subscribe to is the one that has the actual episodes and isn't blank when you click on it. Um, and again, if you had previously subscribed to the podcast through Spotify, we've been, kicked off of there for at least six months at this point, probably maybe even a year. I don't know. You will have to, again, resubscribe to the new feed on Spotify. So uh, back to Eugene's letter. You're saying that metal heart sounds thin. I have to disagree with you on that. It's, it's really interesting because to me, like a lot of these new albums, Emily, that are like produced where it's just like the guitars go directly into We've the board about this so many times you know they sound thin. yeah yeah to me the metal heart album does not sound thin and but yet you can hear all the all the little nuances and and the things are are clearer in some ways so maybe that makes it thinner to you i don't know i would just disagree with you on that it's one thing i'm sorry that you really get your money you get what you pay for in right. music, like as far as production goes, don't you think? Like, yeah, like good board, good production, good mixing actually matters like big time to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, when you listen to a record like Balls to the Wall or Metal Heart, I can literally hear the tubes in Wolf's Marshall when I just don't hear that anymore with the, the newer Accept record. Um, yeah. So there you go. I did want to jump over to Twitter because somebody was asking me what I was Let's see if I still have it here. Yeah, somebody was asking me on Twitter. They said, uh, yes, I have the new Accept album. I purchased it on CD, even though I have a Spotify subscription. Trying to figure out what you were asking Wolf about the first two songs. Undertaker is sort of an update of Princess. Um, okay, so what, what I was asking Wolf about the first two songs, which he disagreed on, with me was were they going to accept as a band going to new musical territory there because those songs didn't really to me have a classic accept vibe to them where some of the songs later in the album did he disagreed he you know said that since they've been working with mark and you know the new version of accept that they had actually done songs in that style so fair enough um I just felt like those first couple songs to me seemed different and new. And if, it's funny, if you listen to the interview towards the end, we kind of come back around and he says, well, with the new members, I feel like we're kind of, you know, maybe going into some new musical territory, which is all I was trying to say at the beginning of the interview. And I kind of felt like he validated what he, what I said, and he originally disagreed with at the top of the interview. So there you go. That's just me. So Emily, one of our favorite records, I know we both share this love mutually 
is uh, we'll talk a little bit about this since we're not doing an official classics classic album segment during this show heaven and hell by um, black sabbath and some really interesting thing happened over the last few days jeff nichols who is the longtime keyboardist of the band black sabbath his estate released a tape of jeff bill ward ronnie dio and tony iomi playing what could be the first demo or first version of the song heaven and hell they released this? and it's pretty cool yeah now what's it sound like i haven't heard it yeah it sounds it sounds really cool now now jeff is playing bass on it now geezer if you don't know guys geezer was away from Black Sabbath at that time. And if you read any of Martin Popoff's books on Black Sabbath, he came back into the fold with Black Sabbath uh, real late into the Heaven and Hell sessions. And Jeff Nichols, who is the band's keyboardist, has always claimed that that song basically came together before and most of the songs before geezer was back in the band and there's been some speculation i know in the martin popoff books that that jeff even though he doesn't have a songwriting credit i mean that bass line that don't that was him that was him and jeff said wrote it yeah jeff said he wrote it he always claimed that he wrote it even though he didn't get songwriting credit and geezer jeff claimed that geezer told him i would have never played that it's too simple you know (laughs) Um, so it's very There's interesting something to be said for simple yeah. and it's very interesting to hear this early version of heaven and hell before geezer had rejoined sabbath and it is also they note on the on the demo tape that that is a state release nowhere does it say sabbath because i think at that point they weren't even sure if they were going to call it sabbath but he definitely came up with that that thumping bass line. I would say Geezer's bass line on the final one is a lot better, but of course Geezer is a bass player. Jeff is not. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in there. Even some of the fills Jeff does, you can tell Geezer kind of took those and refined them and made them better. Uh, but but yeah, the fact that, that the song is credited to Bill Ward, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and Ronnie James Dio, and not Jeff Nichols, to me... This has proven that that is very incorrect. But, you know, a lot of times they just split things four ways back in the day. Mm -hmm. And maybe Jeff was not an official member of the band, but it sounds like he was highly influential in helping that song come together. There were a couple other songs on the record that Geezer was musically more involved with that were like leftover Ozzy era songs. Like I believe Die Young and possibly Children of the Sea were songs they had started writing with Ozzy. I could hear that, yeah. And and so it's been reported that Geezer was more involved musically with those songs. Whereas a lot of the other songs on Heaven and Hell, he literally just came in and did the bass lines at the end of it. Um, I'm a so fan of go. a simple bass line. Yeah, and and there's some real cool stuff in the demo. Like when they get to that refrain at the end, you know how the song goes into this new section at the end? You've seen the lights of Carousel, blah, 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 you know that yeah. part? There, they, There's a little nuance that isn't on the final version where they do this little run after some of the lyric uh, phrases really? on the guitar and bass, which 
in retrospect, it works better without it, but it's just kinda, the lyrics. It's just yeah. like this flow of like the, yeah. right, the vocal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So great stuff. It's a fun listen for sure. If you haven't seen it, it's up on Blabbermouth and all the, uh, all the news websites, but yeah, Jeff Nichols probably should have gotten a songwriting credit on that song specifically heaven and hell with the, the new demo surfacing. I mean, I'm super, I want to hear it now because that, that part of the song is so intense and it seems like it would lose its momentum entirely if you chopped it up and had little inter- musical yeah, interludes. Yeah, chopping yeah, up the, it the doesn't, it doesn't, it's hard to explain without hearing yeah, I gotta it. Listen to it and it's subtle, but there are some subtle differences and it's a demo. I mean, you can tell that the song is not in final yeah. form. Like it's like eight minutes long. There's, there's longer sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dio's voice sounds incredible. It's them actually playing live, just recorded on a cassette, you know? So it, it's really, really something else. And I, I mean, I will say you can hear that Jeff is not a bass player, but on the flip side, some of those definitive bass sounds that we now know is part of one of the greatest heavy metal songs ever seem to have, originated with him and may have been refined by geezer butler for the final song so interesting stuff there very good and and i can't help but think that possibly that recording we heard of jeff playing bass with tony ronnie and, and bill was possibly recorded in Barry Gibbs house right. in Miami. We yeah. just had Stephen Gibb on the show because that's where they went to work on heaven and hell. And I actually, if you haven't heard that interview, Stephen and I speak about that and how much history that that house has, which apparently he now lives across the street from the house. But there's, it's not just heaven and hell. I mean, there's like Clapton stayed still there. there. No, there? his dad, I think is in a different, they're still all in the same area, but his dad is in a different location. But, you know, there was uh, this house that Barry would rent out when he'd be on the road with the Bee Gees. And I guess his family came with him. I don't know. But, you know. Is it the one that's right on the water with the fence where he was walking around in the documentary? It could have been. I'm not sure if they took him I'm back to that location. I'm talking about the new Bee Gees yeah. Did you talk about the new Bee Gees documentary Yeah, we did already? in the previous so episode. Yeah. 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 But um, there's that that house, that same house is, is yeah. on one of Eric Clapton's albums. It's uh, right. on the album cover. I forget yeah. what album that is actually, but there you go. So Emily, again, when can we get back to concerts? You're the expert <laughs> with this uh, before I let you go. You're involved with Johnson and Johnson with the studies. You've, your predictions have been far better than mine. I'm hoping that we can still get back to concerts this summer. Fauci's saying this fall, um, they just canceled Coachella in April. Our friend Ian is texting me saying, hey, M3 is still happening in late April, which I, I can't imagine in Maryland that's going to happen. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think fall is more realistic, to be honest. Maybe some summer festivals like outdoor. But until we get the the, var- the variants are what we're concerned about right now. Right. And we're already we have to be nimble as the pharmaceutical industry and everyone developing the vaccines have to be nimble in figuring out if we can find boosters that attack the variant, because obviously the, the, we're finding the vaccine isn't as is, is effective. So we have three variants so far, and there will be more emerging. So I just don't, I think it's too early to say, hey, we're in the clear with the vaccine, but everyone needs to get vaccinated, period, period, because the only way to stop the mutations is by stopping the virus, right? Right. So everyone has to get vaccinated, period, ASAP. 
And, you know, I think that I think we have the opportunity to make that happen in the next few months. Sounds like it. So let's uh, fingers crossed. I'm still hoping for this summer, but maybe it'll be this fall. And without further ado, let's now get into my interview with the former singer of Quiet Riot, James Durbin, a guy that Emily and I used to root for when he was on American Idol back in the day. And he jammed with Zach and played heavy metal. The song Sammy Hagar wrote for the movie. He played that on American Idol, I believe, with Zach on guitar. And then he had Priest on and we're going to talk about all that. Well, not the Zach stuff, but the the priest performance on American Idol during this interview. So let's do it. This is James Durbin, who has some great new music out. He's going to tell us all about it. And uh, okay, thanks, thanks Emily. We're going to here. Thanks Emily. Here we go. Where where should people connect with you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Emily Striegel at Emily Striegel, or I'm on Instagram, Space Pony. Uh, or f- I'm on Facebook too, so come find me on Facebook. Although Facebook, man, I'm really bad. <laughs> like, yeah. I've I probably have over a hundred friend requests that I haven't responded yeah, to. Yeah, so don't friend her on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just bad with Facebook. Thank you, Emily. We appreciate it. And here we go, James Durbin here on Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel with Talking Metal, and uh, what an honor to speak with James Durbin again. He has some great new music out, which we're going to talk about. James, last time we had a interview, we uh, lost you mid-interview, and you were you were like on the road, I think, somewhere, a, a touring, and, and that was it. So it was kind of an awkward ending. So I hope we have a little more of a, an official ending to this interview today. Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened. I uh, remember that. Yeah, that was that was quite unfortunate. Uh, but uh, we've had some wind here today, and I haven't lost an interview yet. So, okay. Uh, All right. Well, fingers yeah, crossed. I don't, I don't plan on starting now. Yeah. Especially with the track record, we got to redeem ourselves. Right on. Right on. And I tell you, man, the beast awakens out February 12th via Frontiers. Great stuff, man. I. I heard your other solo records. I've heard your stuff with Quiet Riot. This seems to be, in my opinion, someplace new for you in the recording, uh, you know, spectrum. Someplace new, and I, I love it, man. I mean, we can hear all the classic metal influences from Dio to Maiden to Judas Priest, and I want to talk to you about those influences. But, but first of all, I didn't know that you you play guitar, and you're doing most or all the rhythm guitar playing on that. Is is this true? Yes, sir. Yeah, I uh, I've been playing guitar since I was ten years old. First guitar was a hand me down. I got that in a chord book of Elvis songs. Taught myself Heartbreak Hotel in the first uh, few weeks, and uh, you know the rest is uh, the rest is the rest. But you know, this album, I first started working on it just before COVID hit, and uh, I, I had I had already written the title track, The Beast Awakens. Right, and. Um, but I was I was kind of looking for outside writers. I was trying to see like, okay, you know, everybody in the rock game does this and collaborates with different you know writers. And I've done it for my first two uh, uh, first three albums actually. And um, but then COVID hit and I was back to myself and I was like, you know what? I'm I've already got this one under my belt. It's I'm really digging it. I, I see where I could go from here. Like, I'm just going to take this as a challenge and write this whole thing myself. Cool, because that was my next 
question who did the songwriting and and wow so everything you you wrote on your own and do you demo the stuff up like how what's the writing process do you just sit down with the guitar and turn on you know your iphone and record it or are you actually demoing stuff up like with drums and bass and everything so yeah i, I wrote every single song uh, every melody every riff every lyric you know all of it um so when I demo, um, I mean, the, as I'm writing them, oh, children, uh, as, as I'm writing that, I'm human uh, and, and a father and a parent and a husband. So right, right on. <laughs> that all comes crashing through the door. Um, uh, so when I'm writing a song, I'll use my phone, use my voice memos. And so that's how a lot of these riffs were conceived. Uh, the title track, take that for instance, uh, The Beast Awakens itself, the riff. That was a literal voice memo on my phone and still wow. is. And I took it, uh, uh, took my guitar to it and transposed it. And it was in the same key. And, uh, and it was just luck, you know, that way. And um, continued to write the song. But yeah, when I demo a song, I'll put it in. I'll grab my guitar and open up my laptop or get on my computer and open up Logic Pro. And, and I work in Logic. And um, I recorded my entire previous album, Homeland, uh, on Logic and, and, and did all that. So um, I, I work very fast sometimes in lieu of uh, making sure the guitar is in tune just so that I can get the, the song out and I'll usually set the click and then I'll play the guitar riff, a really rough version of it or as much as I have. Um, and sometimes I'll just make stuff up. If I don't have a bridge, I'll just find one as I record. Right. Um, and maybe that'll stick, you know, <laughs> it just sometimes works out that way. Um, but then I'll add uh, drums to it, so just like program drums and uh, um, a shitty bass, and uh, and get the vocal down. Start getting those lyrics worked out. Sometimes the lyrics are already there. Like I had, I've had lyrics where I had those written, and and then had to find what is what is this song itself. Um, so yeah, I did that for every single song. Wow, that's um, amazing. And, and, Great. Yeah, thank you. And what's different with this album from other albums that maybe uh, a majority of people do, I feel, is they write a lot of different songs and then they kind of pick, you know, what what song is is what songs are worthy of here. Uh, uh, friends of mine write eighty songs and pick nine for an album. Like, what? Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's commendable. I mean, gosh, I I, I don't I, I don't see how i could get myself to get there i'm sure i could if i had to like i made this record but it's just you know some things are some things um but yeah so i i wrote every every song on this album um because i felt like that song needed to be where it ended up right on right on and what other musicians i know you have some special guests on on kings before you but just in general like with the guitar solos and is there a bass player and drummer joining you on the record who who else plays on this record yes i'm i'm super grateful and thankful to have uh, the incredible uh mike vanderhuel on drums who has uh, been in uh a California metal band, a classic metal band, Y&T. He's been with them for the past 15 years right as on. well as uh, studied under Steve Smith 
of Journey. Wow. Um, so his credentials are, are wonderful, and his playing is um, just top-notch. Um, I've, I've considered myself very fortunate to have gotten the chance to play with, you know, incredible drummers uh, in, in a short span of time. And um, I, I consider him among those. He's, he's very, very, very great. And uh, he is joined by Barry Sparks on bass, the incomparable Barry Sparks. He's played with Dokken, Ted Nugent, yes, yep. Michael Shanker Group, uh, uh, Bees, big group in Japan, um, and many, many others. And very grateful to have him on board because his playing just took these songs to completely new places, uh, far, far away from my shitty bass. <laughs> far, <laughs> right. far away expanded upon things and caught intricacies and and nuances and and things that i was playing on guitar things i was doing with my vocal and capitalized on those and really brought those uh those specialties to this album he is incomparable that's the only word um and then uh you know uh, little me uh playing rhythm guitar um and then on uh electric guitars i just i got a bunch of friends to play on it so, cool. um, you know, not famous friends, just good brothers and, uh, and good guitar great, players, great yeah. guitar players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, my good friend, Nick Gallant provides a solo for, uh, the Prince of Metal. And, um, he, he actually funny, he performed guitar and vocals for, um, Guitar Hero. Ah, okay. Yeah. For Guitar Hero 2 and like that really big when that really exploded, he was all over that uh, vocals and guitar work, um, you know, playing these like re-recordings of Dio and Iron Maiden and such. So oh, cool. having to retrack those solos and, and make them sound like you're used to them sounding is no easy feat. So he was one of the guys that uh, was involved with that. And then in addition, uh, Dylan Rose, who um, played on my um, first uh, solo album, Memories of a Beautiful Disaster. He's all over that as well. That was my first touring guitar player. Uh, and then John Yaden Jr., uh, who's from a band out of uh, Austin, Texas, called Trine. Um, and then uh, my very good friend and most recent guitar player, Mark Putnam, plays on cool. too. Cool. And then I did mention earlier the the Kings, Kings Before You song. There's some pretty good, big special guests on that song. Can you tell us who those are? Absolutely. I've got Phil Demmel from uh, uh, formerly of Machine Head, uh, Violence, BPMD, uh, killer, you know, veteran guitar player um, who just tackles every bit of that solo section. Uh, there's some great stuff that that my bass player, Barry Sparks, provided on on that. And he the way that Phil came into it with that solo is he really he shredded where he could shred. He didn't try to shred where, you know, it didn't need it. He played what the song needed and didn't need. And I I didn't give anybody throughout the album. I gave no one direction. I gave no one an idea of what I wanted anything to sound like. I wrote the songs. I demoed them the way I wanted them to sound like. People heard the demos, but then their parts are their own parts. Right on. Right on. And and I did want to talk about the the music videos for prince of metal and and kings before you because oh did, did we didn't we didn't mention the other special no. guests on that song we yeah. need to mention that because yeah, that's a big name sorry sorry yes go for yes. it no it's, it's a, a very um new uh new young man in the world of professional wrestling and rock and roll um just debuted uh <laughs> mr chris jericho uh 
handles guest vocals on Kings Before You uh, with myself. And Chris Jericho and I became friends back in 2011. I was on American Idol. He was on Dancing with the Stars, and they filmed in the same building. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, just two studios within the same building, um, like a hangar. Uh, CBS studios in, um, in LA. And so we, we hit it off. We started hanging out. He started sneaking me out of their, their guidance and, uh, taking me to the Hollywood bowl to see Rod Stewart and Stevie Nicks, and then getting me mobbed by like, you know, that's our, uh, the idol fan base, you know, is, is <laughs> that age of, uh, housewives and husbands right and, uh, and their kids and stuff. So, that was quite uh, a spectacle, but I've always wanted to get Chris on a song together uh, with myself. And, you know, I knew that he was, he's a metalhead, of course. And uh, I hit him up. I texted him one day and was like, if you were to hypothetically sing on a kind of concept album, uh, what kind of character would you want to play? Cause this is as I'm writing the songs. And so like I can write something tailor made for him. Um, and he said, well, either a villain, um, or a wizard. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) Kings before you, man. So I, I sent them the song, you know, um, his verse is when your when your, uh, kingdom is collapsing, your fortress disappears. Every serpent's in a whisper coiling lies around your ears, shed the dead skin from around you purge what enemies are near moving fast to burn their bridges. Guiding light will soon appear. Yes. You you are the defender of the land from the hills to the horizon, from the holy to the desperate and the damned. You are the kings before you that reigned before. You became the heir to the throne. And like the kings before you, I can assure you, will never stand alone. No, nice. No. Great and stuff. And he was in. Yeah. <laughs> he was in. Yeah. Right right on. And that kind of leads to the segue to where I was going with the with the music videos. Uh, he, he does that little, um, I guess he's not actually in the video, but you hear him him in the video for for kings before you at the beginning of it and then you have the other video for prince of metal the the one thing about these videos and i could even apply this to the album too but it's it's very obvious in the videos is we're having fun here you know i mean this is you know sometimes metal it's so dark and and people take it almost too seriously and don't sometimes they don't embrace that fun or might even say the cheesiness of it all. And I feel like you're able to do that and make it work um, on these songs. And is, is that something that, that you recognize that, Hey, we're not going to take this so seriously. We're going to have fun with it. We're going to embrace the cheese. Well, of course I, I, uh, my alma mater is American Idol. And before that is, uh, is, musical theater um and metal you know playing in metal bands as well so it's um that's you know the the only bands i played in growing up uh were metal bands or hard rock bands um and so this is where i come from (laughs) this is like my outlook on metal and i love dio and i love you know just that you know look at sacred heart 84 you know and like within this 11 minute performance of this, this performance piece, which is what it really is, you know, um, set to a song from an album is like, you know, he's on stage, he's got like crypt keepers and this dragon pops up from the drums and, and he grabs a lightsaber and he slices open its uh, stomach and out comes out like this, like 
<laughs> this neon light heart that's just pulsating and glowing. And this all happened in front of an audience and people paid for this and people fucking loved it. Yeah. And I love it. I still love it. And to me, it's like they might be up there acting serious, but I mean, Ronnie's always like throwing a smile when he's throwing the horns at somebody. And like, it's not all so serious. Yeah. And I you think know, that, that's I mean, important Jethro, to have Jethro fun with Toll it. Rocked. Jethro Toll freaking rocked. But like, they're still like, homie's still up there like skipping, you yeah. know, <laughs> playing right, flute. Right. You know, he's playing the flute. I mean, it's only so metal you can make it. He's playing incredibly, but there's only so much that you can take it seriously, you know, in those within the confines of this genre. Right now. And, and it's look at those Dio videos, look at the Holy Diver video, look at rock and roll children, you know, any of that yeah. stuff. It's like there's this Tolkien. Um, what's that other movie? The. Uh, I can't think of it, but anyway, you know, never ending story. There's, right. There's right. That sort of like a vibe to it. And it's of the era of the eighties and yeah. just this classic metal time. And it's just like everything else. Eighties is back and has been back and has been played with and messed with. And, and I feel like this has done less in the U S yeah. that I've seen. I, I mean, mean and that's so true. I mean, from like, something. even like a show like stranger things or something like that. I mean, it's all coming back. It's so full circle. Yeah. I mean, there's different like hair metal and stuff, you know, Steel Panther guys and like taking over that side. But like this side, I feel like is a little bit less, you know, gone after. Right. And it's just that that fan base is still there and people still love that. Right on. Right on. And the monster that we see in these two music videos, could this become almost the, uh, you know, the monster to Durbin, kind of like what Eddie is to Maiden? I, I have I'd have to ask him. Okay. That's up to Gronk. That's Gronk. Up to Gronk. Is, that, is, is uh, his name Gronk? Yeah, that's up to Gronk. I mean, shit, I'm, I'm sure he'd be stoked on it. I mean, he'd want a percentage, obviously, because um, <laughs> he is he is a real person, uh, a real orc. Um, yeah, Gronk is uh, from a band of orcs called A Band of Orcs. And okay. uh, fortunately, some, uh, as the legend goes, uh, Hail Gazoroth, um uh, some kids were playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, near a, a tourist attraction here in Santa Cruz in the mountains called the Mystery Spot. And uh, they rolled a seven and they rolled a um, the dungeon master told them it was a band of orcs and a portal opened up. And out of this portal walked a literal band of orcs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. OK. Yeah. And they're here to and, stay and now. So, the, the portal closed behind them, or do they still travel back? Uh, no, they still travel back to Herntodia. Okay. Um, they've they've. Um, I first came aware of them uh, back in my pre-idol days uh, around town here, and we played a couple uh, Battle of the Bands things with them, and um, I just thought it'd be a great idea to uh, to invite Gronk into this realm definitely works for me um yeah <laughs> i'm digging it so to kind of segue off the the album that we've been talking about the beast awakens by durbin to uh, a little bit of your past i gotta tell you james when i was at m3 in 2019 you guys quiet riot that is you were playing with them at the time that was the highlight of my weekend out of all those great bands you 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 just had so much energy up there and delivered those songs the way 
us old school Quiet Riot fans wanted to hear those songs. So much fun. And I know I, I didn't follow the blow by blows when you left the band, but I know you, you, you left, um, obviously, before Frankie passed. Uh, how do you look back on your time with Quiet Riot? Um, do I? Um, no, I do. And I mean, I, I, the M3 show is one of my favorite shows I've ever played in my entire life. And just, I watched that footage recently. Um, a part of it, just to remind myself, like the headspace I was in, you know, um, I mean, that would end up being almost the last time I played with Frankie. Um, but he, he ended up coming when we did the, um, music video like the last video we did uh, we played two shows that weekend also um which were great shows i mean it was kind of rough seeing them like that but yeah um, they were great shows um and great memories and uh except i broke my phone um but <laughs> it, it fell in the bathroom uh, right. but anyway um i I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very grateful for that time. I'm grateful for the wisdom I gained. I'm grateful for the, the shows we played, the memories we made, uh, celebrating people's birthdays on the road. You know, I had to miss, it was the first Halloween I've ever missed, not spending it with my wife and kids. And, and, uh, and, um, we ended up in like Suquamish, Washington on, on this like, um, casino reservation. We were playing the next day with Skid Row and uh alex and i decided to enter this costume contest they were having there and we won second and third place <laughs> like we right. each got we each made it out with like 200 bucks like it was like a good prize too he was ozzy osborne and i was a uh, macho man randy savage and just like you know stuff like that like getting the guys out of their out of their rooms to uh go to the um go-karts and arcade across the street because i'm you know much younger than they are and and i'm still into that shit and i love just like having fun right on right on you and, know and you did two records with quiet riot and and i don't know there especially when i listen to the beast awakens the production is so alive and i just felt like those those quiet riot records that you did they had really great moments but there was something and correct me if you disagree, but there was something that was flat about the production on those those records that I feel like uh, hindered my listening enjoyment of them. Did does that ring a, does that ring home with you at all? I don't listen to them. Right. Okay. I, I know what you're talking about. There's things that happen in production that you know I don't understand how they happened, and even when I you know made note of them um they continued with those mistakes so there's mistakes on both the studio albums that you know aren't supposed to be the way they are like one of the guys that wrote one of the songs like the vocal i delivered they somehow moved it and like mm. it it works i guess if i had sung it that way but it's not the way that the one of the songwriters wrote it um and that that always bothered me there's like a harmonica solo on the first album and just just different stuff but yeah i mean not my circus not my monkey and you right. know durbin is all me you know right on I, yeah with that i was given um completed music tracks and told okay well here's here's what you have right to it there's just like there's no room for changing anything for fixing anything and you know there's not really i don't call that production 
Yeah. Well, again, we're talking with James Durbin, guys, of the band Durbin, and it is officially a band, right, James? I mean, you plan to keep this unit together as Durbin? You know, uh, it, it remains to be seen for the time being, yes. Um, but it's much like a Dio thing, you know. It's not. It doesn't really necessarily matter who's in the band um, because the the name is the guy, and the guy is the name, and right so on. it's it's much like it has been with with uh, me doing my James Durbin, you know, band and tours and stuff. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, but I, I I like to keep each sort of thing its own sort of thing <laughs> with my right my previous band. I, I consider those to uh, you know. Uh, we're not still playing together because the music that I'm making now is just, it's just different. And you know, the, the folks that played on the album are just, <laughs> they're just different. Um, but it's, you know, very thankful for each, each group of guys and uh, you know, each of the memories we're able to make together, but you know, making music and making albums is a lot, just like a book. This is right the next on. chapter and or the next, you know, paragraph or what have you um, just stoked for it. And speaking of books, did you read Rob Halford's book? I haven't read it yet. You're in it, man. I, I've heard that I'm in it. Yeah, he speaks very highly of you and, and the whole experience of playing with you on American Idol. So I don't know how much of that you had. Like, did you have did you request that Priest come on the show? Like, how responsible were you for bringing Judas Priest onto the show? I would think very. Yeah, well, I sang. I chose from a, a cleared list of songs of three pages that I looked through three times. And only on the fourth time looking through, did I uh, realize that uh, you've got another thing coming was on that list. And that was to perform that on the top 24 night of American Idol um, for the top 12 guys. And, uh, you know, I just said this, I want to sing this. And the producers were like, what the fuck is a Judas priest? And why is it on our list? Right. And uh, they literally told me that I heard them. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And so I, I just stuck with my guns and, and sang that and heard, you know, got a note back from them like a week later of like, that was great. You know, thank you for singing our song. And I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind that if I get to perform with somebody at the finale, I want to perform with Judas Priest. And so they came back and uh, they said, yeah, they, they want to perform with you. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I went and had dinner with them the night before uh, rehearsal and the show and um and it was wonderful. We had tea. We uh, we had uh, lobster or crab or something, and uh, it was just great. Um, KK Downing had just left the band and uh, a month before, and uh, this was now Richie Faulkner's first live performance. With, yeah, with Rob Reed. mentions that in, in the uh, in in the book that his first performance with the band was literally in front of like forty million people on American Idol with you. So crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 really. Um, you know, uh, another blessing uh, to have been a part of, you know, priest history. Absolutely. That's really wonderful for me. Um, I wear that as a, as a, as a badge, but I don't wear the best. Um, right. <laughs> I, keep it, I keep it hung up somewhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I played with priest and, and kept in contact with them. And, you know, after I wrote the title track of the album, after I wrote the song, the beast awakens, the first person I texted it to was Rob. Wow, cool. To to get his thoughts on it. And and we haven't had a relationship like that, you know, in the 10 years since Idol, but you know, we've I've always sent him Christmas cards and and you know, kept him um you know, it, just somebody I check in with here and there, but when it came time for this album, 
you know, it was that of, of that vibe, you know, of that style of music. Right. So, you know, it's something that I really wanted to, if I can get his approval, if I could get him on it, that was, you know, that was, that was a, a a wish and a want, but you know, he was doing his album and uh, finishing his book and recording the audio for the book is very much like the situation with, with Jericho, you know, trying to get him to be in the video and then working around it because he's so busy, which I'm just blessed to have these guys, you know, have Chris sing on a song and provide a little vocal intro for a, for a visualizer video that I edit on my computer, you know, right. And to have Rob just like send text messages. It's like incredible. is you know even if they weren't famous guys like just to have people that are that gracious and and that kind with their time um you know despite of how busy they are that's just awesome well Um, james i know we do have to let you go right now but uh yeah the beast awakens man february 12th via frontiers and listen i talked to people i'm friends with joe over at loudwire and i mean he texted me a couple weeks ago he was like man have you heard these durbin songs they're really good so i mean people are excited by this i'm one of them and man it's uh, it's what we need you know classic metal in the style of of priest and dio and and maiden so thank you for this record Awesome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that very much. Glad people like you are catching on to it and giving it a chance. You know, I just implore people to, if, if they like the style of music to, uh, you know, go into it with that, but to, you know, try to not give yourself an expectation of what you're wanting to hear from it. Um, if, if you do that, I'm, I'm sure that you'll find something in it. And if not, thank you for taking the moment and the time out of your day to listen to it, to see if you will like it. I do appreciate it. Even those little things, those are little victories. And, uh, you know, it's there's a lot of artists out there and there's a lot of people trying to get everybody's attention with their music. You know, you've only got two ears, so you can you, it's pretty difficult to listen to two different songs at the same time. So right uh, I do appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. We'll get this up uh, in about a week. Awesome. You got it, brother. I appreciate it very much. Thanks okay. for taking the time. You have a great night. Have a good you too. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Remember, you can support us by using our Amazon links. They're all linked through markstriegel.net. You can go there and get those. And please support us on Patreon. That's where I need you guys. Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. I can't say it enough. $2 a month. It's like nothing, man. Man, a cup of coffee is more than that. Just $2 a month would make me so happy. I'd be so grateful. Of course, Using the Amazon links is another way to support the show. And the other way is to just tweet it out. Tweet out the guy, the guys in Silvertomb. Let them know you heard Kenny's interview. Tweet James Durbin. Uh, tag them, you know, on social media. Let them know that you really enjoyed what, what you heard on Talking Metal. And, uh, yeah, you can also leave a PayPal donation if you just want to do a one-time thing. That is also up on markstriegel.net, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L.net. Thank you, my friends. I will talk to you next time. Thanks to Emily, Kenny, and James for joining me here on the Talking Metal Podcast. Good night. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.